Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Game, but uh, uh, I thought it was an excellent hockey game. 
Um, yeah, you know what? It was an extremely competitive game. Did have some small, uh, some small controversies, but you know what? That's hockey. That's what happens. But it was a very, very, very tight game. And one thing that I was hoping that the Kings could pull off in this game was try to shut down that New York Islanders offense because it is really dangerous. So we're going to get right to We're going to quickly break down this game here. Um, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Of course, the Kings ended up losing uh, 4-3 to in overtime in a real back-and-forth, crazy, emotional roller coaster of a game. And things seem to have started off very well for the Kings in the first period. Oscar Fattenberg, who has been a healthy scratch for five games in a row, uh, scores his uh, his fifth goal of the season, I believe here. Sorry, guys, my notes are a little messed up here. So I apologize. He scores his second goal of the season at 12:56 with his 89-year-old grandfather watching him in the crowd, who has never seen Fattenberg score a goal. Um, of course, Fattenberg, wow. as we know, played in in Europe, played in Russia, played in Sweden. Uh, now playing in the NHL. Really, this is his first year in the NHL, though he is in his mid uh, in his mid twenties uh, or so. I believe he's 26 so that's a great moment especially for Fattenberg being off for five straight games being able to score uh, and it was after a very slick pass by Tanner Pearson who was in the corner there behind the net able to just whip it to the point and Fattenberg didn't look like the greatest of shots but was able to get it by goaltender Grice and uh, one nothing Los Angeles Kings uh, then the Kings actually went on something that they don't normally go on something called the power play they actually go in the power play and they do something Something, they just did something else that they normally don't do anyways, which is score on the power play at 17-11. Uh, Tyler Toffoli scores his 15th on the year, like I said, on the power play after power, powering his way into the Islanders' defensive zone and just getting in that slot and firing a very nice goal past Grice to make it 2 nothing. For the, for the LA Kings, but in 1910, with seconds to go to end the first period, which um, probably was foreshadowing things that's going to be happening in this game later on, Josh Bailey scores his ninth by deflecting a shot from the point by, I believe it was Calvin DeHaan. I believe it was DeHaan, but uh, Bailey pretty much by himself in front of, actually, no, that was a different goal. I apologize, guys. Bailey deflects it in from the shot from the point, making it two to one. I apologize, guys. I, I write with chicken scratch here, so I'm trying to read off my notes. <laughs> but it ends the first period, two to one for the Kings. Uh, the Islanders getting some life back before that period was over. So, Mark, first period, just your thoughts on how the Kings were playing and everything that went down in that first period. Well, since the the Knights took our our Kings feed, I, I I got to listen to Mr. Nixon and Mr. Evans this evening, which is always a treat. But uh, I thought they got off to a good start, obviously with a couple quick goals. Um, the Islanders, it seemed like, um, started carrying play later, you know, in the first period, and and were able to get that equalize or get within one at the end of the first period, like you said. Um, so kind of typical of the Kings this year, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it that's definitely one of those uh uh that's so Kings. Definitely, you definitely know, a Kings it, 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 Yeah. I mean, especially last season where it seemed to be happening on a regular basis where the Kings would give up. They would be like, the, uh, they would be the most vulnerable, even even 5-on-5. Five five, they would be the most vulnerable 
in the first two or three minutes of a period, and then again in the first yep. or two uh, last three minutes of a period. And uh, we don't want to be seeing those uh, bad habits coming back into the fold, especially after the Kings have had a very successful season this far. Um, Chris, I wanted, uh, when, when the Islanders are down, of course, I know you're up there on Long Island. You've grown up, still are a long-time uh, New York Islanders fan. You write about the New York Islanders and everything. Of course, someone who has great knowledge of the sport of hockey, period. But when, when the Islanders are down 2 nothing, what did you see that the Islanders did, uh, being down now two goals and two quick goals early on, that uh, they had to put themselves back into the game? What was that strategy that they were using? Or what is it that they needed to do, which they actually did, to get back in there? I thought they actually started pretty good. They got that early power play. And they got pucks in the net. I think they had four shots. Even though they didn't score on that first power play, I thought it was it was a good power play. I, I thought they were playing uh, pretty well. And then the, the the Kings generated that chance. It was a good shot. A little bit of a, a Grice with a little bit of screen game up one nothing. I mean that's going to happen. Uh, but it was a good play by the Kings. You know the the penalty kill, which has been you know one of the things the Islanders have had to work on. It's starting, you know, it's it's getting better little by little. I'll use it that way. Um, you know, that was just a situation where, you know, you give someone like Tyra Toffoli time and space. I mean, Thomas Grice had no chance on that. So that that was, you know, when they when that goal happened, it was worrisome because, you know, the team has lost a couple in a row. They've lost a few close games recently. And, you know, you, you're worrying like, okay, uh, we really need to get the next goal, and to get that, to get that goal right before uh, the first period ends, I think that was a big boost uh, for the morale heading into the second period, which uh, which they played. I, I thought it was a very solid period for them. So they had they had a, a few moments there in that in that middle, the you know, second half of the first period, wasn't too thrilled with. I saw a couple of turnovers, uh, one by Pellick, one by Dahan shouldn't have happened. I mean, again, it's all those little things that have to get cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So 2-1 for the Kings against the Islanders. We go into the second period, and then something I wasn't sure I'd ever see in my life happen, and that is Trevor Lewis gets into a fight with Jason Chimera, and uh, I just – my jaw was just dropped to the – to the ground because like last season with Jeff Carter, when he got into a fight, because he had nobody really coming in and protecting him, Carter did not do very well in that fight, um, which, you know, he shouldn't. He should be fighting, period. But we saw Trevor Lewis out there, always the unsung hero for the LA Kings, always a person who plays with his heart on his sleeve, but getting out there and fighting. Uh, Mark, your thoughts with uh, the heavyweight, Trevor Lewis, getting in there and having a fight? What? Well, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, like I said, I didn't see it. How did How did Trevor do in that? Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Um, <laughs> Ten eight rounds. He, uh, he, he he tried. You know, he tries. <laughs> it, 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 right. it was okay. Right. It was okay. I, I like Carter. Like if we're going to go by, if we're going to put put this on a scale. Um, with Jeff Carter being like the worst or Wayne Gretzky being the worst you can be in a fight, right? And then, you know, of course, you can put, you know, the Bob Proberts and the Stu Grimsons or or whoever, right? Ty Domi at the top. Uh, Trevor Lewis Luke would Sorley. definitely be a, 
and McSorley, of course, Marty McSorley, Kings legend, you know, being up there, uh, Trevor Lewis is, is not them. <laughs> but not but them. you know what? A for, just like when he's on the ice, it's always an A for effort uh, for Trevor Lewis. But uh, shortly after, uh, Mary Gaffer got called for a high stick on Johnny Boychuk. And then shortly after that, uh, new Kings acquisition, even though they actually had him longer than what he's been playing with the Kings due to some serious immigration visa problems, him trying to get into the United States and working. Tory Mitchell, who has been a scoring sensation lately for the Kings, and by that I mean he's got two goals. Before that, he had nothing this season. Uh, he also got a penalty there. I, I, I think it was for a holding. Right. I think it was on Stephen Bernier, which puts, of course, the offensively gifted New York Islanders on a five-on-three, but the Kings did end up killing it, uh, the five-on-three, which then, of course, merged to a five-on-four. The Kings were able to do what they needed, needed to do to, uh, to, to not allow the Islanders to get that puck. And I remember yesterday on last night's show with Augie Loya, after the Kings took the Rangers, my biggest concern was the fact that the Kings do get penalized a lot. This was a team that used to uh, actually have great pride in being one of the least penalized teams in the NHL, in the last few years, they've been one of the, uh, you know, one of the teams that have the most most penalties overall in a season, which is not a good a good trend. And again, the Kings just given up so many uh, power plays to other teams, and a team like uh, the New York Islanders, with guys, of course, like John Tavares, like Anders Lee. Uh, even Josh Bailey, who's like the Adam Oates of the New York Islanders this year. And we know Bailey got a goal uh, in this game as well, but he's been just racking up the assists like crazy. Now, you do not want to give these guys offensive opportunities, which is exactly what, you know, the Kings were doing again. So, luckily, the Kings, who I'm not sure if they're still number one in the penalty kill, but there was a, a while there where the Kings, while especially on their streak, they were not allowing a goal at all while they're on the PK. But now for the last five games, they've uh, at least given up one goal on the PK. So there's, things are starting to leak on that as well. But we're going to go right into the third period here. Um, very early in the game, I believe it was 3.50 in the game, Jake Muzzin got called for elbowing on uh, Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, Muzzin felt like he didn't do anything, and with the play in real time, and depending on the angle that you were looking at, which camera angle, it, it did look like an elbow uh, to the face, but there was the one angle that they had, and I actually retweeted it on Twitter, and I, I posted on my Facebook page, uh, that went, a better angle of that uh, scenario that played out, Muzzin did have an elbow up, but actually hit Clutterbuck in the chest and Clutterbuck shot his head back as if he had got hit in the face and went down. So I wanted to get uh, maybe both of your opinions on that exact same play. Of course, Mark, you know, longtime Kings fan, uh, Chris, longtime Islander fan, but both of you guys are very well known for calling it like it is, like you guys aren't homers whatsoever. But I, I'm really uh, um, interested in your opinion on that call because it did lead to the Islanders going into a power play and then led to all-star John Tavares, uh, a Portuguese-Canadian, by the way, so which I am, and as is Drew Doughty. So John Tavares, you know, a big fan of because he's got that Portuguese background. But uh, his 19 goals on the season, a uh, power play, and now we got a um, – now we got – a 2-2 tied game where uh, the Kings now, you know, they always say a 2-0 lead is the worst in hockey, and we're, and we're seeing now the Islanders slowly 
creep it back in there. But, Mark, uh, actually, I'm going to go with Chris first. Sorry, Mark. Chris, your thoughts on that penalty by Muzzin? Um, what went on there with Clutterbuck? Because an elbow was still an elbow. Maybe he didn't get hit in the face, but it could have been a vicious elbow to the chest. But, of course, there's armor there. Um, just your thoughts on that, on that play, and should Muzzin have been penalized? Was it an actual elbow from your point of view and perspective? Yeah, I mean that's a you know that's a t- I mean in real time it, it definitely it looks like a penalty. I mean and, you know obviously an, you know an elbow to the chest is still <clears throat> you know it, it, it can still pack a punch. I know there's there's uh, some equipment there. I mean I know Cal Clutterbuck uh, is an agitator and likes to draw penalties. I mean if he is able to in advance figure like well if someone hits me in the chest with an elbow automatically going to shoot my uh, neck, you know, my head back. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, in in retrospect, if I was a Kings fan, I could say, well, that really shouldn't have been, you know, uh, a penalty. But, I mean, we we can go – We can, this show will last about five hours if we, we go through that of all the – you know, and I think in the, in the first period, Scott Mayfield, like, pushed Gaprick and he got called for interference. So – um, right. you know, right. that, that, that's going to happen in the NHL, unfortunately. It happens. And, uh, yeah, you're I right. Mean, if you, yeah. Here's I the bottom line. If you, th- if you throw an elbow, uh, you know, you're, you're asking for trouble. That, that would be, that would be the moral. It's one thing to hit a guy. If you throw an elbow, you're cruising for a bruising. Yeah. And like you said, in real time, it it did look it did look vicious. But then when at that one angle where they slowed it down uh, to the chest, I think it was just the way Clutterbuck like threw his head back uh, with an elbow to the chest. Where you know I've been elbowed to the chest, say even just like yeah, martial arts and stuff without the without the armor, and it's gonna hurt. But just the way the head went back, I can see the refs you know thinking that it was a shot to the head, especially as quickly as it happened. But there's you know. He might have saw the elbow coming and thinking it was going to hit him in the face, so he, he whipped his head back, and then it hit him in the chest. You know what I mean? Right. Well, either way, it was a call. Uh, Muzzin to the penalty box, and then the Islanders took advantage. Uh, like I mentioned, John Tavares scoring his 19th goal, making the game 2-2. So now, now here's another thing that's, that's so Kings, and we saw this happen against the uh, New York Rangers last night, where it's looking like the Kings might, you know, might be able, and the Kings as well as the Islanders, might be able to go into overtime, and then that way the Kings at least end up with a point, and they can, you know, try to get that extra point, try to get a win, especially after losing two games in a row. Uh, but at 16:44, uh, with, with the game of oh, the third period dying down, Anders Lee uh, scores his what 20th goal of the season. This kid's rocking uh, this year, and he was pretty much all alone in front of Darcy Kemper, not sure where the defensive coverage was there because it was was a five-on-five play where Anders Lee, like the shot got onto Kemper, so Kemper was able to to make the save, but the rebound went right through the Anders Lee, and he had time to, you know, I believe he went into a, he went from uh, forehand to backhand. He had enough time to do that and just flip the puck over Darcy Kemper with the Kings just watching him uh, in a game that obviously the Kings really need to win if they want to stay on top of the Pacific Division, whether the Pacific Division is as strong or as it used to be or weaker than it has been in years. Uh, 
for the second game in a row, the Kings near the end of the of the game of the period uh, go down three the two. Mark, your thoughts on that, and where was the Kings' defense? Well, you, like you said, last night it was sixteen thirty three, and tonight they go ahead goal at sixteen forty four. So that's a trend that doesn't continue. Simply breakdown and coverage, right? Uh, uh, Nixon and Evans both both called him out and, and uh, all kinds of time sitting there all open and he's going to bury if you give him that much time and I'm right there. Um, not it's interesting because as, as you watch the Kings this year, um, they have a team of, of uh, streaks. Before that, they won nine of the first 12, I believe. That homestand really kind of let the wind out of the sails, and then they come back mostly on the road and win eight straight, and then now we see the three-game losing streak. So one one thing they got to clean up is that, that third period, right? Um, we can't be seeing... We can't be we can't be seeing that kind of defensive zone coverage from a Los Angeles Kings team that even with the new coaching staff um, still there, Mark. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Um, yeah, definitely. They, def- they have. No, it's okay. No worries. They, yeah, you're right. Uh, I agree. The Kings are going to have to really clean that up. And you know what? We even saw it, like, you know, during the eight-game win streak that the Kings were going on, especially in the last few games, you were still seeing the Kings mess up uh, somewhat like that, like just poor defensive coverage, everyone not covering their man or covering the zone that they're supposed to be in uh, where they can cover uh, the player that would be wide open. I mean, sloppy play, turnovers, and everything, but the Kings ended up, you know, finding ways to win despite that. But you can't you can't go an entire season, of course, doing that. And the, the Kings, so, you know, so far this season actually have been very strong in the third period. Uh, it's probably been their best period all season, but now we're seeing in the last few games that it's actually not their strongest period now because they're giving up those late goals when they should be – you know, holding the fort, at the very least holding the fort so you can at least get into overtime and try to get that uh, that final second point. But that didn't work out today. But the Kings did come back, unlike yesterday against the Rangers. Uh, the Kings uh, did I make, come uh, back. J- it was... J- J.D., can I make a quick point yeah, yeah. on that, uh, on a third goal? Uh, yeah, go, Kulak go made a really it, good Tavares made it. Just Tavares made a real good play keeping the puck in, and obviously he drew a cloud and then crowd, and then Pulak, who is really emerging as a young player, uh, had a strong game, I felt. Um, uh, had a step on the Kings player who was on him, and he went he went down uh, he went down the wing, and that drew the other defenseman. Now he probably should have stayed with his man, but I think Pulak kind of had a step, drew the other defenseman. Pulak made a really good pass to Lee who is very good with the puck in on tight. A lot of guys aren't. He he got the puck when uh, the the Kings defenseman wasn't able to block the pass uh, and was able to lift it once Kemper tried to poke check it away. So uh, uh, that was a big play by uh, Ryan Pollock, who who had a real good game. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. 
But there was uh, – this is almost like the second game in a row again. There's, there's these patterns now popping up of the, where the Kings aren't properly even just zoning defensively, whether, you know, everyone's going to cover man or not, or you're going to protect your, your section of the ice from the opposing player because a certain player is drawing – uh, at least two Kings players to them, which, of course, five on five, if you're drawing two players on one player on the opposing team, that means one of their players are going to be wide open. And we saw that last night against the Rangers when it came to Curtis McDermott uh, kind of doing a rookie mistake and uh, going for going for a guy that Dustin Brown was going for at the exact same time, right. and which allowed uh, – I don't remember who it was now, but uh, the guy ended up scoring actually a very nice wrist shot past Jonathan Quick. But, uh, again, he was left wide open because maybe just even the communication, the guys weren't talking out there. For example, McDermott could have yelled out, I got him, you know, I got this guy. Or Dustin Brown's like, uh, I got him, get, you know, get the other guy. Or whatever the case may be. And we all know hockey's a very, very fast sport. So if you're going to, you know, you're going to say something, you got to communicate or whatever, you only have so much time to do it before the play actually happens because the sport is so fast. But this is another example where two Kings players are, you know, going for one person and leaving somebody else exposed. Uh, definitely something John Stevens and the co- uh, coaching staff are going to have to, uh, to, you know, to fix up and touch on and, and not let, let those leaks go through because, you know, you got to know who you're covering, especially five on five. It's it's different if the Islanders were on the power play, obviously, right? They the outnumber the Kings, stuff like that sometimes happens. But when you're a five on five, especially with three, you know, minutes to go in the third period, so you got to p- at least one point on the line. Um, yeah, you got, you got to be careful with that, right? Uh, but the Kings did tie it. Uh, Andre Kopitar uh, was credited with the goal. I believe it was with, and give me one second here, it was uh, pretty much with like 13 seconds to go into the third period. Some controversy with this goal as well. Um, the, uh, number one, was the play onside? Uh, the puck did dangle on the blue line. Uh, maybe some thought that it was an offside play. When they slowed it down, it showed that it was still on the blue line, and then uh, the Kings were able to pull it back into the Islanders' zone. The second one was, did Thomas Grice have the puck? Did he have control of the puck, and were the Kings, uh, or like, such as Kobitar, did he poke it when the really the referee should have blown the whistle? Uh, looking at the, the replay, at least from the LA Kings, uh, Fox Bet, uh, Sports West perspective with Alex Faust and uh, Jim Fox, um, you know, they were saying it was a goal because the puck was loose and they were just able to, you know, poke it in. It wasn't like uh, Grace had it for a long period of time. But, I mean, we've seen, you know, watching hockey all the time, as all three of us do, we've seen goalies hold on to that puck under their glove longer and people poking it and sometimes they count that as a goal. But they did go to Toronto with the video replay, which I do not trust. Uh, I do believe it's actually a bunch of monkeys. A bunch of monkeys dressed up nicely. They got shirts. They got ties. You know, the NHL is going to make it classy and make them wear proper, you know, uh, a proper uh, dress attire. Sure. But I think they just, you know, actual monkeys from a zoo are actually bouncing around and just hitting buttons. And uh, sometimes they say yes to a goal. Sometimes they say no, whether it is a goal or not. But the Kings did get the goal. And uh, the other controversy was, did Dowdy get the goal or did Andre Kopitar get the goal? But Kopitar did get the credit for that goal. Um, Mark, your thoughts on that goal with 13 seconds to go? Well, I was 
I was uh, tied it up um, after last night, giving up that late goal. And then again tonight, I was almost writing it off for a loss. But uh, that sounded like a just a goal mouth scrum there. And, and, and Kopitar was able to pick a loose, bang it in, whatever happened there. Um, I thought that was going to be the lift they need. Kings have a pretty good overtime record. And, and I thought at that time that they were going to go on, catch that momentum, and win it in overtime. But as we saw, uh, that wasn't to be. I wanted to go back just a second, J.D., if I could, and, and touch on a point yeah, of that you made with the communication on the ice between the guys. Now, the, when you look at, at um, one of the differences between the Stevens coach team and the Sutter coach team, <coughs> excuse me, is the number of rookies that Stevens is willing to put out there every night. And – a difference between a Rob Blake managed team and a Dean Lombardi managed team is that we've seen three moves already on uh, trades in this, this early into the season. So there's still roster tinkering going on. And I mean, tonight when you go down the list of who was dressed, you got Pauline Fanberg, Kemp is technically a rookie. Um, yep. uh, Jokinen new to the team. Tori Mitchell, obviously new to the team. Um, so that communication that you talked about, which for, for the longest time with the core that's been together with the Los Angeles Kings, um, it, it, you didn't even need to have the verbal communication. And now it seems like that's something that is still a work in progress. And, and it's nice to have, a, uh, you know, things to work on and still be in first place in your division. I think third overall now, fourth overall in the National Hockey League. And, and be playing that many new players on, on the roster and, you know, willing to grow and learn and, and take those kind of mistakes and, and become a better hockey club and still be in first place at the same time. So, um, good, so that's a good point by you. Um, and, and I'm sure Coach Stevens will, you know, sit him down and talk to him and, and let him know when to communicate, when to stay at home, when, when to, you know, when to gamble uh, on a play. And, and when not to that 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 goal we were talking about was an example of when not to. <laughs> yeah, no, great points, Mark. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing I like so far, and uh, you know, we're 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 getting very close to the halfway point uh, of the season. Uh, so so far with Coach Stevens and stuff, that like uh, like say post game scrum right uh, with with the media right post game presser. Uh, John Stevens sure. has already like openly admitted in the past, in past games where he's like, you know what, the, here's a problem and we're going to work on it. Or he'll even take the blame for it. It's like, ah, yeah, like when we flew into Detroit for this road trip, we probably should have flown earlier because we did have an extra day of rest. And I decided to right. keep the guys at home a day longer and actually practice at the Toyota Sports Center pretty much the day before the game against Detroit and then having to do that flight to the East Coast, a flight that I've done many times but I never had to play an NHL-level game as soon as I got off the ice, which is probably not the best I And John Stevens did do a Mia Kulfa saying, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have. I could have, I could have done that a bit better. So at least Stevens has shown that he's willing to, uh, to, to even change, like, his strategy or what he needed to do or knows what – this is what's not working and we're going to work on it. So I definitely respect that a lot about Coach Stevens. Yeah, uh, Chris, sure. your thoughts on that on that goal that the Kings scored with 13 seconds to go to tie it three to three. Well, uh, it was, it was heartbreak from my perspective, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 
you know, uh, Josh Bailey, I, around the one-minute mark when the goalie was pulled uh, fairly high up in his own zone, I had the puck and couldn't clear it. I mean, just it's just little things. Like, people say to me, uh, like, well, you know, you know, the Islanders have a goalie problem because look at all the goals they're letting in. And, you know, we look at the three goals that they gave up, and the the power play goal, Thomas Bryce had no chance. They, again, I mentioned about uh, right. Toffoli having time and space. And on that last thing, yep. Bailey failed to clear it. And I think it happened, you know, obviously it happened very quickly. I forget who the player was in the corner who had a chance to clear the puck that led to what looked like it was like a three-on-one, which led to that, the infamous, uh, it, it, the, not infamous, but led to the goal. <laughs> and and they failed to to do that. I'll I'll, I'll say two things Infamous. about the goal. One, me personally, I thought it was a good goal. Uh, obviously, when it happened so quickly, and was it Pearson whose whole body was literally in the net? I was like, whoa, wait a minute. But then he had nothing to do with the play. Having said that, uh, then this is more of an NHL thing, uh, which you know goes under the theme of total inconsistency. Uh, it looked like there might yeah. have been a slight pu- slight push in terms of like into the pad with the stick, uh, and and but I thought it was a good goal. The Islanders literally literally had the exact same play the other night with Anders Lee, and they called it no goal. So and, and that's the why yeah. and there's the monkeys. So, it's the monkeys. <laughs> It is. And that's why, you, I don't know if they showed it on the L.A. telecast, but Doug Waite was going crazy because here it is just two days yes. ago. He, he had his team got, you know, got the goal taken away. But me personally, I think that was, that was, I thought that was a good goal. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, what happened a couple of days ago was a mistake and that shouldn't be duplicated. But it goes under the theme that the NHL has got to get their, they they got to get consistency. Uh, hello, we've only been talking about this for about a hundred years, and, and when it comes yep. to calls, and they got to get their their uh, their act together. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, I don't trust them going to the uh, the, the video experts in Toronto because just this season here, and I'm sure Mark's going to remember too, Chris, you may remember as well, that there's been some really strange calls of involving the Kings. For example, uh, you know, the, Dustin Brown, who's been playing out a lot now in the crease more than he was doing before under the, the Sutter. Uh, uh, you know, when he was when Sutter was coaching, Brown's now getting in front, screening, trying to get tip-ins, trying to get rebounds, et cetera. Puck goes behind the net, he'll go behind the net and fetch it out. Uh, you know, there, there, there's just like a little, little tap on the goaltender. The, the puck goes in, there's a little bit of a tap, not a push, uh, not a high stick, nothing like that. And they go to Toronto, and it's no goal. So it's like, oh, okay, so goalie interference. Okay, they didn't look like goalie interference. But then I remember the one game against St. Louis, where Jonathan Quick was was in his crease, ready to uh, uh, St. Louis was about to shoot. I think I don't remember who it was, but St. Louis was about to shoot from the point, and one of the St. Louis forwards actually had his stick tied up with Jonathan Quick's stick, and uh, the goal went over Quick's right shoulder where he holds the stick, so he wasn't even able to move the stick or his shoulder to make that save because the other right. guy had his stick jammed in there, and they went to Toronto and, and they called it and a good goal. Fun. Yeah, you absolutely. know, and then John Steen, 
John Stevens was asked about it, and John Stevens was like, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I have no idea <laughs> what the criteria is for goalie interference, because we've had goals called He's away for, for, yeah, oh, no, no, this is a whole NHL thing, right? He's I'm not, not saying alone. it's an L.A. conspiracy. I'm not saying it's an L.A. conspiracy, but even when I watch other games, right, because, hey, I'm a Kings fan, but I'm yeah. also, you know, first and foremost, a hockey fan. And even, you know, w- watching other teams play, whether East-West doesn't matter, and I see the same calls being played, that inconsistency is so obvious. I mean, everyone is complaining about it. Everyone knows it. And here we are, say we're here at home and we're watching the broadcasts, and we got the replays that they're using on the broadcast. And we're always being ta- uh, told that in Toronto they have even more angles to use where they can judge whether there was interference or the puck crossed the line or whatever the case may be. Yet, <laughs> from the angles that we're getting from our broadcasts, from the TV broadcasts, whether it's the Kings, whether it's NBC, whether it's Hockey Night in Canada, it doesn't matter. Um, we're seeing that, no, that, that was goalie interference, or no, yeah, that was a good goal. And then Toronto does the opposite of that call, which makes me think, what angle do they have that, you know, disputes what we just saw in the replay on television? So it drives me absolutely mad. So, Chris, you're right. Complete inconsistency. The NHL really has to do something about it because it is an epidemic throughout the entire league and has been for some time, and it just drives me personally nuts but uh, you know what i would like to see is you remember guys remember when brendan shanahan was uh the the uh, uh what's the term uh you know for player and safety what's what's the the, yeah. the i believe I, I don't even remember who's doing it right now but you know brian burke has done it colin campbell has done it and brendan shanahan has done it i liked how shanahan actually made a video explaining why they made the decision that they made, you know, to suspend so-and-so or not suspend so-and-so for a play, where whether you agree or don't agree with Shanahan, at least he has a video and he's breaking it down with him talking about it. I wish the NHL would have that for the video uh, replay room so they could just say, because sometimes uh, the broadcasters will get a message from Toronto, say Jim Fox, and he'll read out what he was told, but they're not breaking down the video and actually saying why. They'll just say, you know, whatever. Um, what do you guys think about right. that? Uh, Mark, you first. Like, do you think that they should do like the old Shanahan, make a video so they can probably explain so at least we understand what their line of thinking was? Well, I, I haven't heard that, but I think that would be a good idea. Um, I, I actually enjoyed the player player safety videos because, let, let's face it, the inconsistency with the league doesn't just start and stop on goalie interference. It's, it goes with players getting suspended, whether they're fine. Right. Uh, and having, having that video at least lets you know where they were coming from. Um, and when they made their decision, um, it, and, and we have no idea where they're coming from when they make the goal yeah. interference calls, especially, especially when it goes to Toronto. So um, I, I wouldn't have any problem if, if the league could come up and do something like that, I, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, quickly, just to uh, to end the game, of course, it, go, it did go into OT. The Kings end up getting a point. Islanders, of course, also get a point. But then in one fifty-four of overtime, uh, the former number one overall draft pick for the Edmonton Oilers, Jordan Eberle, 
uh, you know, gets the puck past Kemper and actually a very nice goal. His 13th of the year. He seems to be having, uh, actually, he seems to be uh, playing very well uh, with the New York Islanders system. Chris, can you just break down that overtime goal and what Everly had to do to win the game? Yeah, well, before that, uh, you know, when the Islanders started the the three-on-three, they had uh, Tavares out there with Bailey and Letty, and he lost an edge, and it set uh, Kopitar in on a breakaway, and Thomas Grice came up huge with a big save. Uh, I'm a big believer in Thomas Grice. So, you know, uh, on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, I got a a bit beaten up a couple of springs ago, for for taking the Islanders over the Panthers, and we have a good friend of the show who pulled <laughs> in, uh, Mr. Matt Pryor, and he said, I think it's going to be a close series, but at the end of the day, do you, you, do you want Thomas Grice or do you want Roberto Luongo? And uh, I want Thomas Grice. So, uh, uh, you right. know, the Kings, I, th- I think the Kings had a two-on-one. Grice came up, I think I believe, big again. That led to a two-on-one the other way with Mr. Matthew Barzell, and I think you guys, uh, especially Mark, could probably see why for the last couple of years I was I have been screaming that the Islanders cannot trade this kid uh, for Matt Duchesne. Oh, for sure. Uh, and he, uh, you right, know, he, right, right. He, 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 and Eberle was a little bit behind the play, so he he got the angle and then he waited for Eberle and he fed him a you know really just a perfect pass. And Eberle in that second period had a golden opportunity. And he missed the net, but he he didn't miss this one. Right. So, uh, you know, Eberle has what's impressive about his 13 goals is he actually got off to a slow start to the season. New team trying too hard, the usual yep. uh, situation. He did not score his first goal of the year until the the very end of October, I believe. And since that time, he's one of the league leaders in goals scored. So he won like the first three weeks or so without a goal. And uh, Barzell's obviously near the top of uh, the rookie rookie scorer. So that was a big point that the Islanders uh, really needed, especially with being 13 seconds away. Like I said, uh, if they can just make some of these little adjustments, uh, they, they they could be a, a pretty scary team. But they're a young team. They're getting there, you know, uh, to two points tonight. Puts them at 39 points, which is not too shabby considering also that they've played 19 road games already, and they've pretty much checkmarked all their killer road games, uh, such as going to California and Nashville and right. Tampa and all those kind of things. And, um, you know, I want to give a shout-out to uh, the Islanders called up uh, veteran uh, Steve Bernier, and he had a real solid game. Granted, he played on the fourth line, uh, but he had, you know, he had a real, real solid game. And uh, you know what he's going to do? He's going to play that chip and chase kind of game, but he, he, he played uh, played very, very well. But, I, I you know, again, it was a game they had to have. They, they This ended, uh, I believe it was eight games in 13 days for the Islanders. So uh, last wow. week they were, uh, yeah, so five of which were on the road. So not not easy. So they get a couple of days off, and then they get the Red Wings to come in. In fact, uh, they have four home games in a row before the Christmas break, I believe. So uh, hopefully they can uh, do do some more damage at home, which they have a pretty uh, pretty stellar record uh, at home this year. So uh, only two points out of first, but having said that, in the in the Killer Metro Division, uh, you got five teams uh, between 39 and 41 points. So it's uh, uh, you know it feels like uh, you have to win every game in the Metro. But uh, uh, again, overall, I w- I I thought 
both te- both teams played really well. I mean, I thought you got good goaltending. I thought you got, for the most part, good specials uh, on both sides. Um, I-, I didn't see a ton of mistakes by both sides. Uh, I-, I thought you got a real two really good teams who, who played uh, pretty strong hockey. So uh, maybe it was destined to go to overtime. Yeah, yeah, quick, it was uh, just like yesterday. Washington. Yeah, uh, go go ahead, Mark. Washington beat the Ducks, so the Islanders four points out of first place. Oh, is that right? They they showed it after yeah. the game, and I, I, yep, I saw yep. it was the forty-one. Okay, no, well, Cap, I think Cap went to OT. A, I think the Caps have played a couple more games than the Islanders. I could be wrong. Maybe it's a, it's at least one. So, uh, like I said too, I I know like for instance the Islanders are tied with the Rangers. And uh, the Islanders have almost yeah. played half their road schedule. The Rangers are the complete opposite. They've played a, a ton of games at home this year. They've hardly played any road games. So, right. uh, you, you, you know, same. So they uh, and like I said, like the Islanders have been to Minnesota. They've been to Nashville. They've, uh, you know, they they really check mark. They've been to St. Louis. You know, uh, they've done all the California teams. Uh, uh, they've played Tampa twice in Tampa. So. Um, they, they really have, and even the tough teams, even the kill, big teams in their division, like they've, you know, they're done with Columbus in Columbus. So um, they, they, um, the, the schedule is definitely, uh, I don't want to say favorable, but uh, they've checkmarked a lot of those really tough, tough games off the, off the schedule. So, uh, um, you know, they still have to go to, I think the, you know, the toughest schedule left is they have to go to the, to the Western Canada. And obviously they have to go to Vegas, which just somehow, some way keeps on winning, which is beyond belief. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a good hockey club. Yeah. So I, I, speaking yeah. of. So, sorry. So speaking of, you brought up uh, Stephen Bernier. Our listeners, of course, are going to remember Bernier from the 2012 Stanley Cup Final when he played for the New Jersey Devils. And in that game six, boarded good old the Scudinator, and I mean like Scudinator yeah. to Judgment Day, Rob Scuderi from behind, um, giving him, I believe it was 32 stitches overall from his nose to his lips, of course, which led yep. to that five-game, uh, five-game, I wish, a uh, five-minute power play where the, the – Three-goal. Five-minute – three, yeah. Three-goal outburst in the five-minute power play. Dustin Brown, and then we thought it was Brown again, but Carter actually tipped it in. So he got the second one, which turned out to be the Stanley Cup winning goal. And we even saw Trevor Lewis uh, get one in there, or unless it was Dwight Cap. I believe it was Lewis. It was I was thinking it was Kinger. Had the puck. It was Kinger. Yeah, you're right. It was Dwight King. I was thinking the, uh, it was the, King. The puck was 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 loosen uh the puck was loose by uh Broder's pads and, and Kinger when this was back when Kinger was clutch in the playoffs. Now he's playing in the KHL yeah. in, in Russia I believe. But he was able to put it in three nothing and obviously, you know, New Jersey wasn't able to to uh come back from that. But uh, yep, yeah, from Stephen Bernier. But yeah, Bernier actually did look really good today with the Islanders. Um so that's it. Four three was the final score in O T. Ellie Kings do pick up a point but are now O two and one winless in this current East road trip were in the a previous two the Kings went four and two and then went four and oh beating some seriously really great teams in their barn but right now the Kings not able to protect a two goal lead not able to protect a two two tie um 
you know, with three minutes remaining in the game, and that's not a good trend. Uh, John Stevens and the coaching staff definitely have to be cleaning that up. All right, we have a caller on the line. He's been holding on for a while. We're going to bring you on here to LA Kings Road Talk Radio. I believe I know who it is. Area code 440. Welcome to the show. Yeah, how you doing, Jeff? Hey, Jerry, how you doing? How you doing? Your thoughts on the game? Um, I was th- I was thinking about the uh, the tying goal in the, in the review. That took an awfully long time to call on the ice. You know, it was a long time right. before the the officials all huddled up and then they decided whether they were going to call the goal or not. And then the review has to have enough conclusive evidence to overturn that. Um, did that That's maybe lead to them to them getting? that goal as opposed to some of the ones that they haven't got gotten uh, during the review process. Because it took them forever sure, Mark, to Mark. make a call on the ice. Mark, yeah, do you want to answer that? Because, sure, if they had huddled up and decided to uh, say no goal on the ice, I don't think there would have been enough uh, to overturn that call either. So right. um, let's, let's say that huddle, they got it right because we're the Kings road talk <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, by, by taking that delay and deciding which way you were going to call it on the ice pretty much determined whether it was going to be a good goal because I didn't, I, I didn't see it, but I don't think I, except for the, the NHL clip that shows the goal. I don't think there would have been enough uh, evidence or whatever to overturn the call either way it had gone on the ice. It was one of those goals where if they had said no goal, I think that would have stood as well. There you go. Yeah, that was that that was what I was thinking about. It was you know, it was just that's, that's a good point. Sorry, Terry, what did you think of the Kings uh, overall play today um against the New York Islanders? Um we didn't put enough pressure on Grace. It was it was you know, there was a lot of pressure on Kemper. I think it could have it easily could have been a blowout for the Islanders. There, you know, he made he had a very good game in keeping it as close as it was. And I think of the, of the difficult saves, Kemper probably made more difficult saves than Grice did. So um, right, you know, it's just um, that and the penalty thing. I, I had it out in the center ice, and of course, I only got the Islanders broadcast tonight. And they were talking about the, the penalty kill and how the numbers have dropped since October. You know, it's been almost a ten-point yeah. drop a month. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's that's um, just, definitely an issue they've got to adjust to. Speaking of um, speaking of uh, goaltending saves, and Chris mentioned it earlier, where a Grice stopped Kopitar. Uh, on a breakaway in overtime, um, Mark and Jerry, do you guys miss the 2012 playoff Andre Kopitar? Where whenever Kopi was on a breakaway, you could almost guarantee that that puck somehow is going to get into the net. And the last few couple, even though Kopitar is actually having a fantastic season, it's a big bounce yeah. back than where he was last year, where probably his worst season. I mean, he has 39 points in 34 games and plus 12. Uh, it's a rejuvenated Andre Kopitar, but he see, still seems to be struggling on that one-on-one battle with the goalie on a breakaway. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? It is what it is. Grice made a big save, so all kudos to him as well. Anything, anything else, Jerry, before uh, 
before I let you go here? No, I think that's probably it. Um, I call the fight a draw, by the way. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I will say I I will say this though. Uh, I'll take I'll take Kopitar's 17 goals at the halfway point this year, and uh, stoned on a couple breakaways than the 12 goal complete season that he put in last year. I'll take that. What's he, yeah. he done in the shootout this year? <laughs> What's he done in the shootout this year? I don't I don't have that in front of me. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he has scored. I do remember him scoring at some point, but he never was the best when it came to shootouts. But I would have to dig up that info. Actually, maybe I'll dig it up, Jerry, and I'll post it online to uh, to answer your question after the show's done. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you again always for your support and calling in. And are you going to be calling in on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Monday when the Kings take on the Philadelphia Flyers? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Sounds I good. I got an ankle to recover from. Oh, that's right. How was your ankle? You broke it, right? Yeah. Um, it's better today. It's not, it's not hurting as much. Uh, I go to the orthopedic doctor on, on Monday, so I'll know more then. Well, All good right. luck well, well, best of sure. luck. Yeah, best, best of luck and happy healing, my friend. Go Kings, go. All right. Go Kings, go. All right, that was Jerry Atkin, a strong friend of the show, always calling in to talk some Kings hockey, which we definitely, definitely appreciate here on LA Kings Road Talk Hockey. Okay, so the Kings, as I just mentioned, the Kings are going to be playing the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday. It is their last game of this current Eastern road trip uh, that before they go back home to the Staples Center, then have to take on the Colorado Avalanche, and then go back on the road, at least to you know Northern California, to face off the Sharks. That's always a war. And then the Kings will have yeah. you know, br- uh, like most teams, will have a break over the Christmas season before they're back home and taking on the rival Vancouver Canucks before going back on the road, flying to hey, Vancouver hey, uh, two days hey, later. Now, hey, now you're missing a game there. Did you're I? Did I miss one? Yeah, Colorado, Gold San Knights Jose, Vancouver, their, Vancouver, no? Golden Knights oh, make I'm their looking, debut. I'm looking at the schedule. What day do they? 27? That's very interesting. That's, that's very interesting because I'm looking at the uh, – I'm actually going by the schedule from LAKings.com. Uh, they do not have that game up here. I'm looking at uh, NHL.com, and it's got VGK, not VAN. All right, let me check this out here because I was using the uh, the LAKings.com one, and that game is nowhere in sight. It's, like, completely not on any day. So, okay, so let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. To be clear. I'm sure I'm sure you're right, Mark, but I, it's very I interesting why the LA, LA Kings would not have that. So, okay, so what day was that, Mark? That Thursday before the Vancouver game. Okay, so Wednesday, and uh, you, sir, are correct. I'm looking at it right now on NHL.com. Hold on a minute. Uh, No, actually, Wednesday, December 20th, there is not a game with the Kings. Thursday, December 21st, uh, we have the Kings and the Avalanche. It is also not on my version here of NHL.com. What's going on here? 
That is very, very strange. December 28th, Knights at Kings, brother. Oh, of course. I'm looking at at the at the wrong week. That would definitely uh, not help here. <laughs> um, yeah, that would that would definitely do it. As you can tell, I'm still learning this hosting gig here. I'm still trying to figure this out. Nah, okay, you're Wednesday, good. December you're 27th. Here we go. Here we go. The Kings. Uh, no, they got the Ducks and the Vegas Golden Knights at 10 10 p.m. Eastern time. On Wednesday, December 27th. This is a conspiracy. Yeah, Are the back monkeys back. Pl- playing with the schedule right now? There we go. <laughs> I- I've now found it. December 28th, yep, the Kings are playing the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, it's going to be a tough game because the Golden Knights have been playing some solid hockey. I'm going to ask both of you guys, of course, because you guys do the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'll start with Chris here. Chris, your thoughts on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, so far this season, and what do the Kings need to do, in your opinion, in order to get two points from these guys who are surprising uh, the entire hockey world? Yeah, I I am uh, pleasantly surprised. It's not even the right word for it. Obviously, uh, being the, the co-host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, I'm you know rooting for the Knights to do well. Never in my wildest dreams did I think they'd be on the cusp of first place and one of the better records in the league. Um, so I I'm just like there's been a couple of times where they've had a bit of a, a little bit of a losing streak. And then they've come back with a with a big winning streak. Even like the other night when um, they beat Pittsburgh, which I was very obviously happy to see, uh, for very for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, I believe that was his first game back. And so what does he do? He he puts up a like second. a stellar performance. Second game back. He okay. played again. Uh, yeah, he uh, played uh, against so, Carolina. Okay, he put up a huge performance against a you know a team that has a lot of offense after missing all that time. So, uh, I mean, like a lot of things that are going on that uh, just, you know, doesn't compute. Obviously, they have a lot of uh, good quality NHL players from the expansion draft. Uh, the next couple months are going to be interesting from them because, for them uh, because they have a number of unrestricted free agents. And, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, McPhee is not in a position to, to sell. Um I don't know if he's going to buy, but I don't think he's going to sell off any of these guys. But it will be interesting to see if he if he feels like guys like Neil and Marcheseau or guys he wants on the bus for the next number of years. But um, in terms of the Kings, uh, they're a season you know they're a season group. Uh, I believe they're going to be getting Jeff Carter back over the, uh, in the near future. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen in a week or so, but I gotta like the Kings' chances in terms of. Uh, of, of of winning that division. I mean, Anaheim is just so beat up. I think Calgary. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Pretty... You're t- that 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 is that is almost crazy talk. The Kings winning the division? <laughs> That's unheard of, my friend. That's unheard of. Well, I I think, it's, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a statement about the rest of the division. I mean, uh, you know, Anaheim. I mean, to be fair, they've gotten destroyed with injuries. I I, I think they'll be very right. happy if they can finish up in the third spot. You know, Calgary has been pretty good, although uh, uh, you know a bit hit they're going to run yeah. they're going to run Mike Smith into the into the ground, um, and, yeah. and also uh, how much can Moynihan and Stroke, yeah, keep carrying that team? Um, so you know, Edmonton has a long way to go to to get to get back in it. 
I mean, Vancouver's overachieving at 500. I mean, Arizona's Arizona. And, uh, you know, the Sharks, I mean, I mean, they're a quality team. They can't freaking score. Uh, I have no scoring on that yeah. team, but uh, I love their defense and I love Martin Jones, which you guys know very well. So I think it's going to be an interesting race. Um, I really do. I, I, I unless uh, Vegas, well, I was going to say unless they get besieged by injuries, but they they've had. It's not like they've been injury free. They've they've used like you know seven hundred goalies already this year. So yeah, uh, that's I, crazy. I that, that is crazy. Yeah, I think they're you know I think they're. They're gonna, you know, like I said. I, I, now you can make a a, a, long, a big argument of maybe, you know, maybe they'd be better off not having this good of a season. As, as it might sound crazy to say, but they they could get a lot for some of these guys. And I don't know, I don't know if they're gonna be wanting to get married to them, for lack of a better term. Uh, right. In, in terms of Neil and March, so and you know, and I don't know, you know. Are these guys going to say, hey, look, we love it here. Uh, we'll take, you know, we don't have to get every dollar on the table. Or are they going to say, like Eric Carlson said, uh, I'm not leaving any money on, uh, off the table, you know, which I don't blame him. You know, that's his prerogative, you know. So uh, it will be interesting. Like I said, I, I like what I see from the Kings. I just think they need to add some, you know, make, get a little bit deeper on the third-pairing defense and a little bit deeper on, uh, you know, their complimentary uh, forward lines. Uh, but Kempler has been great for you guys this year, so uh, you're setting goal. Uh, Mark, uh, Kings are taking on Philadelphia on this horrid uh, road trip on Monday, and that'll be their their uh, third game in four nights on the road. Uh, what do the Kings need to do to beat the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday? I think they need to start fast. I think um, I think they are going to get the win. I think they're going to bounce back out of these two games in New York. Look, uh, Vegas went through New York and lost in in Long Island and in Madison Square on back-to-back nights too. So um, maybe that's just a leader of the Pacific Division thing, if you will. Um, so I, I'd right. like for them to go into Philly and break the three-game losing streak. They're playing too good of hockey right now to let this get out of hand, if you will. Um, to, to, you right. Know, Right. Teams are going to go. Teams are going to go up and down. Phillies. Phillies not having a, a you know a great year. They have thirty five points, but they're sitting seventh in the Metropolitan right now. So, um, yes, I think they just got to play. I, I think they just. I think they're on a bit hockey. of a winning streak, though. They've won. Yeah, yeah they've won what five in a row or more. So uh, I think that sounds about right. Well, yeah, time, they're, they're time five in that. a row, if if not more than that. Well, go ahead, Mark. Well, then both streaks will come to an end. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope there you're you right, go. my friend. Philadelphia does have 35 points. They're four points off with the New York Islanders and the Rangers, who both have 39 points, and they're uh, taking that wild card spot. And uh, Columbus, of course, not the old Columbus, not the old hashtag Lumbus, you know, especially with Sergei Bobrovsky and that. Um, it, it's a, an extremely uh, competitive division, the Metropolitan, without a doubt. All right, I'm just going to quickly do an around the NHL here. Uh, you guys mentioned it earlier on the show that the – let me just put it up here. Um, I'm still on the wrong date here. 
because I was checking the NHL.com calendar to see where this mysterious uh, Vegas Golden Knights game against the Kings was happening, which still is not up on NHL, uh, on the LAKings.com. Um, so just give me one sec here. I apologize for this, guys. Um, okay, while I'm searching for this, how about um, Mark and Chris, uh, your thoughts, maybe we'll start with Mark and then go, go to Chris, your thoughts on Brady McNabb, former LA King Brady McNabb, who was picked up by the Golden Knights uh, in the expansion draft. How was uh, Nabber doing in Vegas? Mark first and Chris, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. He's doing fine. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's picked up his game um, quite a bit from when he was playing with the Kings. He did recently, he was the first domino to fall and did sign the four-year contract extension. And I believe it's two and a half million per. Um, so good for Naber. He, uh, he, he said it didn't take him long at all to sign the paper once they, once they put it down in front of him. That he's, you know, very happy with the franchise, very happy with the room and is excited to be a Golden Knight for the next four years. And he's bringing his, his typical physical uh, responsible with, with tongue in cheek style of play. He is improving in, in right. a lot of his defensive zone zone reads um, to where he's, he's not making the, the mistakes that we saw out of him in the past as often. And, you know, I look for him to continue to grow in that area. But uh, if you go back to the, to the game where the Kings played the Golden Knights here at the T-Mobile arena, um, it yes. was funny because be- before the game, he gave an interview to the guy here in town and, uh, they asked him if he had a chance to line somebody up who it would be. And he, he didn't even hesitate. He said, well, if I get a chance to run, run drew, um, I'm going to run drew. And he was laughing when he said it, but there was a play coming down the wall and Naber lined him up and got, put a really solid check on Dowdy. And then later in the game was able to put a, a really solid check, uh, on Dustin Brown as he was coming down the line. Yes. So that part, that part of his game hasn't changed, but he has, he has picked it up. Um, one of the hallmarks of the Golden Knights' success is they're very crisp and very clean with the puck in their own end. <clears throat> Excuse me. And their breakouts, uh, get, getting into the transition game, is, is it's really one of the best in the league. Coach Gallant's done a very good job getting that team to understand – where where each other is going to be on the ice in such a short period of time that they're 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 not thinking of of where their teammates are going to be and McNabb is certainly a part of that on the defense um in in starting some breakouts that we hadn't seen in his game with LA yeah yeah well it was it's it, when I heard that he got that extension I was actually really happy for him I mean you know because I mean, the Kings got him in that, what, the 2014 trade deadline, the same time that they got Marion Gabrick from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, McNabb's trade, of course, went a, a bit under the radar and never fully got to where the Kings at least wanted him to get to. So, so to see him doing very well in Vegas, actually, you know, good for him, good for him. Unfortunately, it's a division rival, and he did crush Dowdy and Brown. And, and it's so yeah, weird seeing Brown take a check and get knocked down. We're usually, you know, we're used to seeing him, uh, uh, you know, smashing someone and that, that person going flying. So it was kind of weird to see yeah. Brownie being the other end of that. But, uh, yeah, Chris, your yeah. thoughts on McNabb uh, p- playing for Vegas? 
Yeah, I, real quick, I think he, uh, I think he's a real solid secondary player, and and I'm not, you know, you need guys like that on the roster. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is, you put you put him for the next this year and the next four years on your third pairing defense, and you're doing great. And you know, the two and a half number works for the team, works for him. Uh, so he's only 26, I believe. So he's got, you know, he's got a lot of hockey ahead of him. Uh, it's a real smart deal. I mean, uh, unfortunately for George McPhee, they're all not gonna, uh, you know, all not gonna, you know, fit like a glove uh, on these uh, right. on these other players, you know. But uh, real smart move for everyone all around. And uh, I, w- I wanted to mention one other thing. You mentioned Rob Scuderi before being obviously a huge part of the LA Kings and their championships. Well, it, you know, being out here in Long Island, New York, I'd be amiss uh, if I didn't mention. For the uh, the the Kings fans, that Rob Scuderi not only is from Long Island, New York, he actually grew up one town away from me in uh, Bethpage, Long Island. So, uh, uh, oh nice, big fan nice. of big fan of Rob Rob Scuderi. So, just remember, a big reason why you guys have a couple uh, championships last last few years is because of Long Island. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. And is a reason why you and the reason why Chris that the Islanders have four Stanley Cups was, of course, due to Ellie King's legend Butch Goring. So it all balances yeah. out in the end, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one of the okay, we're just on, on the coaches on the King staff now is uh, legendary Pierre Turgeon, who was a real nice Islander for a few That's years. That's right. So, and the Islanders, in a very classy move during the TV break, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, actually uh, recognized uh, Turgeon and put a nice little uh, tribute for him. And, of course, the fans were happy to see him and gave him a big applause. So classy move by the New York Islanders. Of course, Pierre Turgeon playing for that team for many years. Now, Chris, uh, refreshing my memory here, was, uh, was Turgeon with the Islanders? I believe he was with the Islanders when they took on, I believe it was Washington Capitals, when he got hit from behind uh, after yeah. scoring a goal by Dale Hunter, was it with the it was um, with the Islanders? Was it not? Oh yeah, yeah, that was the infamous. Uh, uh, actually, it wasn't from behind. He he lined him up uh, from uh, the far face off dot. Turgeon came down the right the right side, I believe, uh, and uh, he scored on a wrist shot that sealed the game, sealed Game Six, and sealed the series. Yes, he went around the, the net. Yeah, yeah, went, he scored. Uh, he, you know, put his hands in the air, went around the net uh, with his, you know, teammates. He had his hands up. Dale Hunter was on yep. the on on the same side as him when he scored, but now he was on the other end of the ice after, and uh, he he lined him up, and um, and he nailed him into the boards with his with his hands up in the air, and he he broke his shoulder, and somehow some way the Islanders still beat the Penguins playoff upsets in the last I don't know. 30, 40 years, uh, that, that was when they had two-time defending oh, cup was champion. That 90, yeah, was that 93? Yeah, yeah, that was, and Dale Hunter, I think, if memory serves correct, got 21 games, which was not nowhere near enough. Yeah. He, should, he, he should have been out for the, the following season. It was, a, it was probably in all my years trying to put my, uh, as a good friend of the show, Russ Cohen, who, who uh, we uh, we partner with uh, on his SoundCloud page for Sportsology, the Vegas Hockey Podcast does, and uh, trying to take off my orange and blue sunglasses, as he likes to say, uh, it's probably one of the top three dirtiest plays dirtiest I've ever plays. seen yeah, in sure. and, and, and any sport in my time. 
And uh, I, I would say it's probably the dirtiest given the circumstances. You know, it wasn't in the heat of battle. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was in the heat of battle, but the, the, the play was over. And he, That's he, what he was, gets Yeah, me. the game was over. Yeah, yeah the, the game was, was completely over. over. Well, there was still like there was still like three minutes to go, and that made it. I think that made it uh, a three-goal game. So that uh, it was like a five-two game, if memory yeah. serves correct. And they were, you know, Washington right. was feverishly trying to to get get within one, and and then that that just did it. And uh, yeah, that was that was. I mean, there was there's cheap shots, and then that's like a whole nother. That was a whole nother category. But yeah, and of course, Pierre Turgeon was part of the way the Islanders got him was part of that uh, huge trade with Buffalo where they almost sent Pat LaFontaine for, uh, up to Pat Buffalo. Pat LaFontaine, and, that's right. And, and they got uh, five players back from Buffalo. It was like Turgeon, Yui Krupp, Dave McElwain. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else was in that deal. But they uh, Turgeon and Krupp were the big uh, players they got back. Now, talking about that 93 uh, playoffs, of course, this being Kings Road Talk, um, the Islanders, was, was it Glenn Healy, your goalie at that time, former yeah, LA Kings goalie yeah. Glenn Healy? Yeah, yeah. And Ray Ferraro, who went on to go play with the Kings after this, was on that team as well, no, in 93? Oh, yeah. He he actually had a real quick funny Alan Arbor story was Ray Ferraro that year did not have a good regular season, and he he towards the I think the the latter half of the the season he missed some games and he was trying to uh, from from injury and he was trying to come back and they they were going to make the playoffs but they the last few games he had to show uh, Al that he was ready to to play and so Al took him aside like in practice going in the last couple of weeks and say look Ray you know I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, if, if you don't get it going these last couple of weeks, you know, you're going to be sitting with Kate during the playoffs. Kate was his wife, who obviously sits in the stands. So uh, Ray, right. uh, showed him, Ray showed him uh, that, he, you know, he still was ready to roll those last few games. And then he went, he went on a ridiculous tear in the playoffs, uh, both in the Washington series and, and the Pittsburgh series. And, uh, uh, right. Obviously, right. unfortunately, oh, Benoit Hogue was another player they got from, from Buffalo. I, I knew I was forgetting someone. He had a right. nice career himself. Still lives on Long Island, by yep. the way. And, um, Benoit and, Hogue and, won, uh, won the Stanley Cup with Dallas, I believe. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so that, you know, Ray Ferraro, uh, you know, classy guy. I mean, it was terrible. He went to the Rangers after the Islanders, but... Be that as it may, it was uh, <laughs> yeah that was a, that was a special. That and you know until a couple of years ago, uh, when they finally beat Florida in the playoffs, uh, that was the last time the Islanders won a playoff series. So uh, it's, been, it's right. been a long time coming, but good days are ahead. I think I, I do believe this is going to be a really fun spring, and I'll give you a little insight with uh, about this. Uh, converse with someone today for with New York Newsday. Uh, expect a big announcement with the Islanders and a new arena and Belmont within the next three weeks. Really? All right. All right. That's, that's, Very that's cool. The word. Very cool. 
Now, speaking of Pierre Turgeon, before we do this across the NHL here, Mark, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Kings bringing in Pierre Turgeon to be their offensive coordinator, uh, which you don't really hear that much in hockey. Of course, when I hear offensive coordinator, I think of football, right? I think of NFL football. Um, Your thoughts so far on Pierre Turgeon and what has he done that has helped the Kings, whether scoring more goals or even helping somebody like Dustin Brown turn their game around offensively, your thoughts on the offensive coordinator of the LA Kings, a New York Islanders legend, Pierre Turgeon. Well, I think obviously it's paying dividends, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's goals per game is up. At, I believe last time I checked was uh, at 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 uh, goals per game more than they, than they were last season. So obviously playing dividends. I think, I think you hit it on the head earlier in the, in the podcast when you were talking about Dustin Brown's play and where they have him positioned when he's out there. Um, much more, much more down low, much more um, in front of the goalie. That's and his story. I mean, when Brownie was, was uh, scoring 30 goals, don't forget Brownie scored 30 goals twice early in his career. So oh, yeah. it's not like the, the guy can't score. Um, right. I think a lot of it, I, and you know what, the Brownies credit, and, I, and I'll go on record right now, the Brownies credit, never one time did we hear him complain about how he was being used, what his role was on the team, relegated back to third line minutes, never, never one time, he did, he, you know, he made it known through third parties that he was upset losing the captaincy, but he, he never yes. Yes. once complained about, about his role on the ice, and Right, you know, he, he that that guy's taken a lot of heat from Kings fans um, about his drop off in play and the salary cap number and so on and so forth. And I think I think this year the way he is being used is more suitable to his game than he has been in in the past four years. So I, if that right. alone is is a Pierre Turgeon contribution to the offensive scheme of the Los Angeles Kings, he's he's worth his weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I agree, I throw, I agree 100%. If I can throw in a quick point on Dustin Brown, too, J.D., when I think about back in last June, right before the, the draft and the Kings of the 11th pick, which was a very uh, valuable pick, and uh, they want to pick up Gabe Filardi, if memory serves correct. Gabe, yeah. I, remember reading, yeah. uh, in, I remember reading a lot of rumors uh, even saying, well, may, maybe the Kings, especially with Vegas, who had a clean slate at that point with their salary cap, maybe the, the, a team like Vegas, the, the Kings can give them the 11th overall pick if they take Dustin Brown. I mean, that's that was like the whole <laughs> process of if you know if someone can take uh, him off our hands because he signed for a few more years, he has a you know a five point. Seven or so, if memory yeah. serves correct. Five point eight seven five, yeah. And it wasn't yeah. like he had yeah. a whole full year last year. I think he had like forty points or something like that. And so you go back to that point in time where people were thinking that, and then most people were saying like, "No, no one's going to do that." And then you look at you know how he's uh, playing this year, and uh, in terms of offense, his all-around game, his leadership. I mean, it's just really, it's really amazing if you think about. It left from last June to, to, you know, now where his game's at. Yeah, that's a great point, Yeah, Chris, absolutely. If, if, if you're going to package a guy, a two-time Stanley Cup winning champion with a, you know, a number 11 overall pick and 
the general consensus in the market is nobody wants that deal um, to where to where he is. That, I mean, that's a huge statement. That's a great point, Chris. Right. Yeah. And yeah, but, you know, Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. Let's let you know. It's been. It wasn't even like one or two seasons. Like it's pretty much been uh, since the 2014 season that uh, Dustin Brown was looking just. He was just looking washed up. Like he he just looked like that he he was just done he didn't have anything left in the tank whether he was burnt out or his confidence well I'm pretty sure his confidence was at an all time low because him and Coach Sutter were constantly banging heads and it didn't help when they took the C off of him but you're right Mark as well that Dustin Brown never complained about his role with the team if they wanted him on top line with Kopitar he just went and he did it or if they had him down in the third or fourth line he just went out there and he did it but I do believe he did have an actual interview. I would have to look it up here, but he did. They did talk to Justin Brown. Uh, Brown did talk to the media, and it, this was way after he was stripped of the seat because he needed time to kind of mourn or, you know, accept what had happened because it hit him really, really hard. And living up here in Canada, sure. and you guys, of course, being hockey fans your entire life, you guys, you guys know hockey as we we can hear here on the show. I know up here in Canada that you know getting stripped of the seat is like the most insulting, embarrassing thing that can happen to a player because to have that yep. C, you have such an amount of pride. And especially Brown, who had it for so many years and as captain did what no other captain in LA Kings history, including Wayne Gretzky and, and Dave Taylor and Rob Brown and going all the way back to what? Dave Lewis and Mike Murphy, et cetera, Bob Wall back in the day, uh, have never led the Kings to the Stanley Cup period. And he did it twice. And he also became the first ever American-born player to lead that- – a yeah. team as captain to the Stanley Cup twice, right? Darren Hatcher Absolutely. did it the first time with Dallas. Uh, Dustin Brown did it twice. And he had been such a loyal soldier for the Kings for so many years, not known as a complainer. And they blindsided him by taking him off the scene without even a warning. Uh, both Sutter and Lombardi could have talked to Brown and said, hey, look, we're not happy with the way you're playing. We're paying you 5.875 mil until the 21-22 season, and you're not pulling your weight on the ice. If you want to keep that C, we need you to step up. So if they had done that and Brown couldn't do it, and then they took the C, you know, I would have – you know, I would have understood the, the decision of it, but they pretty much just showed up and ripped the C off his chest, and he was angry and embarrassed about it, and rightfully so. So I think it's fantastic sure. that Brown has made a big comeback this year in just his overall game. Uh, but I, I, at least my sources uh, to, to the expansion draft, and, and we knew, like Kings fans, we knew, people who cover the Kings knew, Dustin Brown as well as Mary Gabrick were going to be exposed because of their high contracts, hoping that maybe Vegas will toss them a blow by taking uh Brown or Gabbard, just so those that that money that salary cap can open up for the Kings. But I, it was under very good authority from my sources, which actually I believe was you guys, had told me that under no circumstances <laughs> George McPhee was going to take Dustin Brown or Mary Gabbard. Gabbard, of course. Correct. When he's great, he's awesome, like yesterday against the Rangers, but also very injury-prone. And last year came back from injury and was completely invisible. And Dustin Brown, the way he had planned the last few years, looked like it was almost time to retire. But, yeah, it's fantastic to see Brownie playing the way that he's playing for sure. I've been a diehard Dustin Brown fan because of where I live. I'm very close 
to, you know, to teams of the Ontario Hockey League. So right now, even now, I got credentials to go cover the Kitchener Rangers or the Guelph Storm whenever a team with a Kings prospect shows up, say like Mississauga with uh, Jacob Movarari, or uh, right, he's been injured for some time, but Gabe Velarde with the Windsor Spitfire, unfortunately haven't been able to watch him yet because he, you know, he's been hurt and he, he didn't play the games when he came to Kitchener. But Dustin Brown played for the Guelph Storm. And I remember Dustin Brown, um, just, just being like amazed by this player who was crushing people and scoring a lot of goals as a junior. I was actually really happy that the Kings at that time, I believe it was Dave Taylor, who was the uh, the GM, picking up Dustin Brown yeah. and then getting to see and having the career that he had. Uh, I think all Kings fans who have been given Dustin Brown stick, you're so right, Mark. People had given up on him, and I was starting to have my doubts on him as well, that uh, it was just to see him bounce back this year. I think he should be at least nominated, at least not probably not win, but at least nominated for the Bill Masterton Trophy uh, for the big comeback. Uh, but probably Brian Boyle is probably going to end up getting that trophy, say, and rightfully so. You know, rightfully so, him King, and his battle with leukemia. Yeah, drafted by the Kings as well, and my sister's ex-boyfriend. So there you go. There's a connection right there. Uh, Brian Boyle actually – Actually, an excellent, excellent guy uh, outside of the ring. Yeah. And uh, even though uh, the ring, not the ring, I'm talking MMA now. But um, super nice guy. Uh, the fact that he's able to come back and even score some goal. He scored yesterday against the Kings. Uh, seeing him come back, truly deserving yeah. of the Bill Masterton Trophy if it comes up. But I'd like to see Brown at least at least nominated. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to finally go quickly through this across the NHL because time's running out here. Um, as was mentioned earlier on the show, the Washington Capitals gave the Kings some help by beating the Anaheim Ducks 3-2. to two. Unfortunately, it was in overtime, so the Ducks still get a point. The Ducks still ravaged by injuries, the most recent being Corey Perry. Uh, but, you know, like the Ducks, this is why, Chris, when you say that the Kings have a good chance of winning the division, uh, everyone who follows the Kings long time knows that they've only won the division once, and that was back in 1991 in the old Smythe division. Uh, and they had some players, I don't know, the guys called Wayne Gretzky, Luke Robitaille, and Rob Blake on that team, Dave Taylor as well, and have not been able to win it. And the Kings almost won it at the end of the 2016 season, as we all know. Mm, and the Ducks were out of it, playing horribly, horribly in the first half of the season, and then making a run uh, to win in the Pacific Pacific Division on the very last game of the season where the Kings blew a 3 nothing lead against the Winnipeg Jets. So I don't trust the Ducks being there because, you know, they, they're one super, you know, a momentum streak away from jumping up, especially how the Pacific Division is weak as it is now. So, which is why the Kings need to pick up points as much as they can. Uh, you know, they picked one up today, but they really got, got to get back in there and get two points because you know the Ducks are going to get hot. Uh, the Oilers playing absolutely awful, but they did win today 3-2 to two against Minnesota. If the Oilers start getting hot again like they did last year, they can also bounce back and take a playoff spot from anyone, including the Kings. So they got to be the Kings got to be really, really careful here because it still is up for grabs. Uh, Arizona played today as well. Actually, they are yeah they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-2. Penguins, I guess, kind of doing us a favor, but Arizona only has seven wins this season, so I don't right now it wouldn't have made a difference if they had gotten two points or not. Uh, the Calgary Flames are still battling the Nashville Predators. It is 0-0 in the second period. The Ottawa Senators shut out the 
struggling. Montreal Canadiens three to nothing, shutting them right out. So that one is now a final. My brother-in-law, the Montreal Canadiens superfan, will not be happy about that. I'm sure I'm going to hear about it all day tomorrow when I see him. Carolina Hurricanes two one over the Columbus Blue Jackets. The St. Louis Blues shut out the Winnipeg Jets two to nothing, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Win yet again, beating the Dallas Stars 2-1 two to one over time. Chris, being someone who covers, uh, you know, the New York Islanders, but the Eastern Conference, someone who lives in the East like I do there in Long Island, um, who, who, like, who do you think is going to be at least maybe the two, t- three top teams that can really make a big push in the playoffs and get into the Stanley Cup final or at least the conference finals? What are the big three that you think have the best chance of doing that in the East? Because a lot of us here, or maybe not myself, because I live in the East, but a lot of Kings fans, you know, don't always watch what's going on or pay attention to what's going on in the Eastern Conference. So who do you think, Chris? In, in terms of the Eastern Conference or the Metro Division we're talking about? No, Eastern Conference. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Tampa and Toronto uh, are going to be locks for the top two. And what's kind of interesting is, and again, this is a bigger issue, but the NHL has to change its seating because, in a way, the winner, the Atlantic, is going to get punished because they're going to play uh, right. probably a really good wild card from the Metro and Toronto's going to play the best of the rest from the Atlantic, whoever that third seed is, uh, which is a more favorable right. way to go. Right, at the moment, yeah. Right, right. right. Uh, in terms of the Metropolitan uh, Division, really, it's going to come down. You know, what, what's going to be a big key is is injuries. Who can stay the healthiest? These teams are very close. They're very tight. Uh, I would look at teams that have depth. Uh, you know, who's going to make a move at the deadline? Um, you know, I I still think that, you know, Carolina and Philly are not, I don't want to say they're not on the level, but they're they're a little bit below those other teams. But if they can squeeze right. the most out of, out, of the, out of the orange, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh has played a lot of hockey, um, but uh, they're, you know, they, I mean, all the teams are talented. Uh, I, I like my I like my Islanders simply because of the depth that they have. They have two really big lines that can score. Uh, and again, I mentioned before about uh, schedule being a, bit, a little bit favorable. They've played the really hard part of their schedule already. Um, so, you know, it, it it's uh, you know Washington a little worried about their uh, not worried, but I would worry about their depth. Uh, uh, Columbus is a team that. They really need a, They need to get better play from their their backup goalie, and they've played Proboski an awful lot. And now that they again, yeah, they ride them hard, bad, yeah. But not right. that. But there, there's something just a little bit off there going on uh, there. Uh, the Rangers, I'm, uh, I st- and again putting down the orange and blue sunglasses. Uh, I am. Right. Uh, I still question their depth at center. I question their depth on defense, and. Um, who, who am I? Who, I'm, who am I missing out of that? Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody out of that. Uh, at, towards the oh, and the Devils are the biggest surprise. The one thing I'll say about the Devils is, and God bless. But if you look at their stature, like how are they? How do they have the record that they do? I wor- I would worry if I was a Devils fan of all their young players, like uh, like Brad, like Kisher, and like Butcher, 
and a, a couple of the other youngsters that they have hitting hitting that rookie wall in the second half of the season, and they heavily rely on those guys. So uh, uh, right, I, right. I think it's too, I think it's too early to say. Uh, again, I, I really think the difference in the division is going to come down to a point or two. So every game is precious. Um, obviously, right now you have to like Tampa as the team to beat the East. But having said that, let me just uh, remind everyone, remember, last year Columbus went on, what, a 16-game winning streak? Didn't make it out of the first round yeah. of the playoffs. Minnesota went through Bert, like a two-month right. period two-month period where they didn't lose a game, didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. So uh, just because Tampa, and they are super talented, no doubt, and they have a heck of a team, but just because they look like, you know, towards the end of December, like, oh, well, they're obviously going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be. Right. Definitely. Yeah, and the last point yeah, I'll make is exactly. I, I, I still think Toronto needs to get better on their defense uh, if they're going to go make a deep playoff run. And also, uh, talk about we talked about before with uh, – uh, Calgary running Mike Smith in the ground. Toronto's going to run Frederick Anderson in the ground if they keep that keep up the, <laughs> the amount of games he's playing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But it's true. Yeah, Washington won the President's Trophy. Was it two years in a row? And yet they still can't get out of the second round. And the 2012 playoffs of the Vancouver Canucks, who were one game away from winning the Stanley Cup the year before, won the President's Trophy in, the, in 2012. And the Kings took them out in five games in the first round. So nothing, of course, is guaranteed. And like the great one Wayne Gretzky has said many, many times, there are actually four separate seasons within one NHL season there's the preseason and what happens in the preseason doesn't necessarily bleed into the regular season then there's the regular season what what happens in the regular season like Chris was mentioning uh, Columbus's big win streak uh, out the first round doesn't necessarily uh, factor into what happens in the playoffs then there's the NHL playoffs and then there's the Stanley Cup final uh, Gretzky liked to, to say that you know the game changes every time you go into that season within a season and we see it time and time again which is why also why i love the sport of hockey because as much as we know we also don't know right and it's very hard to predict exactly what's going to happen because you can have a team like washington looking solid in the regular season for two or three or whatever straight season strong goaltending lots of scoring maybe even strong defense the uh, barry trotz now their coach and they go into the playoffs and they still can't get past that second round for whatever reason so really it's you know, anything could happen. But, Mark, quickly here before I let you guys go, uh, Mark, same question, but your thoughts, who are the big contenders from the Western Conference? Well, I think you start with St. Louis and Nashville. Um, I think right right now I think I have to give that little that little edge to St. Louis, but I think as, as Chris or as you were just saying, when you get to the playoffs – um, St. Louis still has to prove to me when you get to the playoffs. That's another team that has, you know, enjoyed some regular season success and, you know, fell, fell short in the playoffs. Nashville having, you know, just gone to the Stanley Cup finals and probably, you know, top to bottom, the best sixth in the league, in my opinion. Um, 
I, I got to look at Nashville at least to be back in the Western Conference final. And I, I think the Kings are for real. I don't, you know, early in the season, they, they, let's face it, they had their share of some pretty, pretty solid puck luck the way they were winning a few of those games <laughs> early on in the season. But, you know, what we were talking about how streaky they are and they're, you know, they were at that homestand. If they get nine out of those 12 points, um, instead of losing five straight and five or six on, on the homestand overall, um, they're 52 point team right now. So right. at that point, you're looking at the Kings with playoff experience. When you get into that next season, um, you're looking at the Kings with the playoff experience. You're looking at, at a, a, you know, proven championship squad with some youthful exuberance, blended in this season that's that I think has energized a lot of the veterans. Um, when you get Carter back, you put the seventies line back together and um, the, the way, you know, the first line is scoring this year. Finally, I think we talked to JD um, going into the season, um, whether, you know, Muzzin or Martinez would be trade bait to bring in some scoring. Right. And I really didn't, I, I we were, when we were talking, I didn't think that that was, you don't subtract from a strength to to feed a weakness, right. if, if you know what I mean. Um, and right. my point at the time was that, you know, Carter was the only guy <laughs> who scored more than 20 goals last year on this squad. Well, yeah. He actually I, had a very strong looking, season, you know, it compared to how badly looking, the Kings were playing. Absolutely. And, and once you plug him back into the mix and you're looking at five other guys that are going to score 20, maybe 30 goals this season, I think that the that's another point in Pierre Turgeon's favor is that the the guys that you need to score are scoring. And and I think that once Carter's back, you're going to see an uptick in Pearson's play and you're going to see an uptick in Toffoli's play. Toffoli hasn't been playing that bad this year. But I think his, his goals no. scored are going to go up when Carter comes back. And I think Pearson's goals scored are going to go up. So you're going to be looking at five or six guys with 20 to 30 goals this year. And last year they had one. Um, I think Pearson finally cracked the 20-goal mark late in the season. But it was a far drop-off to, to, to the next guy on the list, which I think was Kopitar with 12. So yes. the, the Kings have the offense. They still have that true – you know, the Kings core is always going to be strength down the middle, defense, and goaltending. Um, they they were able to get through without moving a Muzzin or a Martinez. <laughs> Excuse me. So, at, at this point in the season, I, I got to say the Kings, um, not just, you know, I'll put down my my uh, purpling and form blue sunglasses here for a second. <laughs> and I, 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 think the King, I think the Kings are back, and I think they're a legitimate contender in the Western Conference this year. Um, I don't see Edmonton recovering. I think it's gone on too long there. I, I've seen too much. In, right. I've seen too much of their old habits creep into their play this year. I've seen too much straight leg coasting when they should be hustling. I've seen too many missed defensive assignments, and I don't think that Talbot is as good as good as he was last year. I don't think he's quite at that level this year. So I, I, I really, you know, anything's possible. But right now, the the darling in the West was Edmonton, and I'm almost ready to put them out of the playoffs at this point. And the team that I think is going to take that playoff spot is the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that team is for real. I think if, if Flurry can stay healthy, although it doesn't really matter, I think you could go and play goalie for this team and they're still going to get their share of wins. 
Um, they have hey, I'm not a bad box. goalie, Mark. Uh, I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's an insult, but I was a pretty good <laughs> ball hockey goalie back in my day, my friend. <laughs> well, hey, they they might need you in an emergency capacity if if what we've seen with this club. Um, and, and in a yeah. weird way, I, I think going through that has has brought the squad together and and brought the defense and and you know there's Colin Miller is is a nice player. Brad McNabb's a nice player. Uh, Shea Theodore oh, yeah. still uh, still you know as good as he is he's still a rookie and he still makes mistakes with the puck. Um, but I think I think going through that uncertainty and goal early in the season has really brought that defense together. And Nate Schmidt has emerged as a leader on that group, um, and and really led the way forward for that for that defensive core. Uh, they. You know, it's surprising. I, I, I said before the season, I thought just looking at the roster, they were a 75-point team. Um, but, but you know, watching them play this season, I, I think they're a playoff team. I think their top six is, you know, if you take top to bottom, one of the best, you know, I'd say top top six or seven top sixes in the league when you go um, – you know, you got Eric Hall in the middle and you got James Neal and David Perron on the wings. That's a – very solid possession line. You've got John yep. Marshall and Riley Smith, 30 goal scorers, and you've got the emergence of William Carlson, who was drafted to be a skill making, you know, skill player, playmaking centerman, and never got the minutes in Columbus. And and that's a that's that's a solid, you know, it, it, I don't know if either one would be a one line, but if you look at a two A and a two B, I don't think there's many better in the league than that top six. Um, the top, the the fourth line with Nelson Belmar and William Carrier, when he gets back from injury, is is one of the better bottom lines, you know, fourth lines in the league. I'm gonna say right now, I think Vegas makes the playoffs. I don't know what they do once they get in, but I but I think Gallant's got the team going in the right direction. And with the Pacific Division having a down year, I mean, it, well, if if you look at it, they're they got three games in hand on the Kings, and they're only two points back right now. They got three games in hand on let's see two games on Anaheim a game on Calgary two on Vancouver and you know Edmonton and Arizona whatever um right. i think they're in a very good spot to make the playoffs and that that's that's going to be my dark horse out of the west is i think Vegas it, one more thing with Vegas when you look at their schedule um they've been a road heavy team so far this year and they they've got it to They've got it to 500 on the road. They're league best 12, two and one at home. And when you get, as Chris was saying earlier in the show too, when you uh, start checking off the boxes of road games, and and okay, that trip's done. They've done their northeastern trip, done their western Canada trip. They and they, they'll see a little bit more of Canada than most teams since their divisional games. Um, but with the Vegas Golden Knights, when you get later into the season. They, I'm trying to pull it up now, but February is going to be a very important month for the Golden Knights because when you look at what they're going to do, they have an eight-game homestand, or seven-game homestand, and eight of the 12 games in the in February are at home. Then when you go to March, they have two four-game homestands, and eight of the 14 games are at home. So we, a lot of their road games are getting knocked out of the way early in the season, and being you know league best at home, maybe there's a little Vegas flu that gets 
you know, comes into play when other teams come into town. Um, right. Be that as it may, it's a great home environment at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, people are excited about it. And when, when you're coming down the stretch, as long as this team doesn't get broken up by the trade deadline, which Chris keeps alluding to, and it kind of bothers me a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, no, if they I, keep, I, if I'm they not keep... saying to break up the team. I'm saying it's kind of a long-term quandary that they're going to have that they didn't expect to be. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. But if they're coming down the stretch and they have a chance and they've got, you know, that many home games in that barn, um, I think it's going to be very hard to keep the Vegas Golden Knights out of the playoffs. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. Fantastic stuff. Um, uh, just quickly, speaking of Colin Miller with Vegas, every time that I hear that name, my heart just sinks to my stomach because I was such a oh. Colin Miller fan. Uh, when w- when he was in the King system, played for the Monarchs and winning the Calder Cup, uh, he was such a big part of that Calder Cup win in 2015. And then, of course, being traded away to Boston with Martin Jones and a first-round draft pick yeah. for a one-year <laughs> rental in Milan Lucic, which is was my biggest fear when I I heard that trade happened, and it, my biggest fear became a reality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, we did. In fact, Colin Miller was the piece of the trade that I didn't like the most. You know, a lot of people don't Same. know that when he was in the Man- went in Manchester at the AHL All-Star game, not only did he win the hardest shot, he won the fastest skater. And that's you right. Know, opportunity, opportunity, be what it may. He was the odd man out in Boston. Um, there's a young kid, Charlie McAvoy, that's come up and taken that slot quite handily. Long Island's own Charlie McAvoy, I believe, if if memory serves correctly, Chris. Um, that is correct. So, you know, he was the, he was the uh, odd man out, and he's he's just one of a number of players on Vegas who's who have the opportunity now and is making the most of it. But that, that trade, I, I, you know, Martin Jones, you got to give the guy his freedom. He, he, you know, proved with the Kings that in much the same way Jonathan Bernier did that he deserved, you know, a shot to be a number one goaltender somewhere. So I didn't mind yeah, that. Definitely. I didn't mind the first round pick, yeah. but throwing in the Colin Miller piece, that was the piece that bothered me about that whole trade. And, you know, he's turned into a really nice 3-4 defenseman for the Golden Knights. I couldn't agree more. I expected Jones to be gone anyways, but uh, to throw in Colin Miller, too, that I was driving when it happened, and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't crash into, like, a house or a pole because whenever that Colin Miller was involved, it's like, like I said, my heart just still to this day drops to my stomach that Lombardi threw him in there, and the Kings gave up so much for a guy who played very well with the Kings but did not re-sign with them, and so pretty much they gave all that up for nothing. But, guys, we got to go. Time runs out so fast. I have no doubt that the three of us together could do a 24-hour podcast just talking oh, hockey God. nonstop oh, all night, which is why I love talking with you guys. And it's same here if we had Hip Check and we had Augie on the show, the five of us, we could talk all night. Because, yes, you know, I'm a hardcore, a lifelong L.A. Kings fan. Mark, a longtime L.A. Kings fan. Chris, you're calendars fan but most of all we love the sport of hockey we can talk hockey until until the sun comes up the next morning but i want to thank you guys so much for being on the show here being on ellie king's world talk radio with me uh mark where can our listeners find you of course the host of the vegas hockey podcast where can they find the podcast so they can check out the great hockey coverage that you guys provide well of course itunes um soundcloud 
the Vegas Hockey Podcast on SoundCloud, Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word on iTunes. Um, shout out to Grandstand Sportsnet. Uh, they're carrying our show this season along with uh, Russ Cohen's Sportsology page on SoundCloud. Um, Chris, what am I forgetting? No, I think you got it. Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Yeah, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Blog Talk Radio archives all our shows, just like just like with you guys. Um, we're having a little trouble yep. right now with on my end technically, so um, I think we're going to be off until January. I'm hoping Santa comes along with a, a, a new laptop or something to help us get the show back <laughs> on the ground. But I'm, I'm, I wrote my letter to Santa, Chris. So ho- hopefully we're gonna we're gonna get things going again in the new year. So we're having some technical difficulties trying to interface with Blog Talk. And I, I know you use them, and sometimes it's quite frustrating. But uh, you can find all our shows yes, on there as well. All right, guys, check it out for sure. Sometimes I'm a guest on the show, but they cover the entire NHL and bring some wonderful guests who know what they're doing and some uh, former hockey players as well, like Clint Malarcher has been on the show and Vegas general manager and former uh, Washington Capital general manager George McPhee has been on the show. Guys, really go and check that out. And, Chris, of course, you're the co-host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, but you're also the co-host of NHL on the Ice Podcast, and as well as you – uh, you work for Eyes on Isles. Where can people find uh, your show, uh, NHL on the Ice, where they can get your guys' coverage of complete NHL coverage as well, uh, complete hockey coverage, really, and as well as your articles uh, on Isles. I'm sorry, EyesOnIsles.com. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, in terms of NHL on the Ice, just go to the best, easiest way is probably go to Twitter. We're on Sunday nights. Uh, uh, live from uh, usually from 6 to 8 p.m., which so we'll be on tomorrow night from 6 to 8 p.m. in the east. And the Twitter handle is at NHL on underscore the underscore ice. Uh, by the way, I did not come up with that. Uh, but um, <laughs> That damn underscore again, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, hey, hey, you're preaching to the choir here because I'm a fan of the underscore. So anyway, but anyways. And, and um, yes, you can find my articles. I'm going to actually have a new article, which I wrote yesterday, that uh, hitting tomorrow morning on the emergence of Ryan Pulak at eyesonisles.com. And, uh, again, that's eyes, E-Y-E-S, eyesonisles.com. And uh, so check it out. Uh, I just had a good article come out about the Islander goaltending as well uh, within the last couple of days. So, uh, And you can follow me on Twitter at the – uh, NL King. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much everything. All right, right on. Everybody go check it out. Check out the Vegas Hockey Podcast, NHL On the Ice Podcast, and Chris's work on Isles. On, sorry, I always get that wrong. Eyesonisles.com. I always want to say Islesoniles.com, which actually is kind of funny. But Islesoniles.com and check out the work. As you can hear today, these, these guys know their hockey. So quickly, I'm just going to say the, we do like a little like three stars type thing, uh, usually when the Kings win. But uh, we're, I'm just going to say the, the number one star for the Kings today, I'm going to give it to Tyler Toffoli with a goal and an assist. Uh, two goals plus two and 18 and 42. Uh, minutes of ice time and Toffoli's goal absolutely beautiful he just powered into the Islanders uh, defensive zone and you know set up shop there on the slot and just got a beautiful goal plus he got an assist on I believe it was Fattenberg's goal which was the first goal of the game so Tyler Toffoli the number one star 
uh, of the game. And, of course, Chris, in case you're wondering why an Islanders didn't get it, the Stars can only be an L.A. Kings player. This is L.A. Kings Road Dog Radio after all. But we also do a toilet flush of the game. And you know what? Going to give it to Jake Muzzin just for the fact that he was a minus three and wasn't doing mm. uh, that really great defensive coverage. When Muzzin is on and he has been having a better season than he did last year, when he's on, he's really good. But when he's off, hashtag Muzzkill. But that's it for tonight, everyone. L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio will be back Monday night. The Kings are going to finish their four-game Eastern uh, East Coast road trip against the Philadelphia Flyers. And, of course, we will be live right after the show. I want to thank my guests, Mark Warner and Chris Leeson, for doing the show here with me today. Like I said, I could talk hours and hours with them uh, on hockey, on anything about hockey, especially the history of hockey, because these guys love hockey as much as we all do. Guys, check out their stuff. So, everyone, have yourselves a good night. I have been J.D. Styles, and now I am out of here. We're going to finish with a little coked-up Elvis to finish the show. So everyone, go, sweet, go. Hey, woman, don't you treat me wrong. I'm in love with my Laura. Hey, hey, tell me what I say. Tell me what I say. When you see me in misery, come on, baby, find me all right. Hey, hey, tell me what I say. Tell me what I say. Well, what else? Well, what else?
That's fantastic. Thank you. Go, Kings, go. Oh, yes. Go, Kings, go.